Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Mazel Tov. You can do better than that. Shabbat Shalom. Good job. There uh, have been some truly great Jewish writers this past century. Speaking of the English ones. Mordechai Richler, Saul Bellow, Joseph Heller, Joseph Roth, who just passed away this, uh, this past week. They were all great writers, but I think it would be true to say that none of them quite captured the North American Jewish experience the way that Woody Allen did. Especially the first 25 years of his career, from Annie Hall to Crimes and Misdemeanors, the style that Woody Allen, better known to his parents as Allen Konigsberg, of the Coney Island Konigsbergs. The style that he brought was soaked in the North American Jewish experience of anxiety and achievement. And there's one scene from a lesser-known movie called Deconstructing Harry, where he, as Harry, dreams of going to hell. And there in hell, he meets his father, a kippah-wearing, Brooklyn-accented Orthodox Jew. And Woody Allen says to the devil, I don't understand, I demand to know the charges. And the devil says, your father behaved unconsciously to you. He said that you committed a capital crime merely by being born. So look, Woody Allen says, I forgive him. What's over is over. Let him go to heaven. And his father says, but Harry, I'm a Jew. We don't believe in heaven. So then Woody Allen says to him, well, where do you want to go? And his father says, to a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> and I wonder, and I wonder, how many of you think that's true? Not that Jews believe in Chinese restaurants more than heaven, but that Jews don't believe in heaven at all. It's no small point, because Christianity and Islam are foundationally tied to an idea of an afterlife. Both the Christian Bible and the Quran are filled with illusions of rewards that a religiously obedient life would head to heaven. And it's interesting to note that in Judaism, it has none of it. And once you start talking about rewards in heaven, you also need some kind of alternative where people who don't behave go. And that place has lots of names. Hell, Inferno, Purgatorio, Jihana. And interestingly, nowhere in the Torah itself are there any mentions of that kind of place too. So this morning, I'm not going to talk about how the ideas of an afterlife develop much later on, or how they may be different or the same to the other great religions of the world. None of that. Because this morning is only about why. As why so early in Judaism's history that it didn't project some idea of a paradise that way lay somewhere else. That if you wanted people to be obedient, you would tell them, do this, and that'll be waiting for you. And yes, I know that it's true that later on, in rabbinic and the prophetic writings, that there are lots of mentions of something beyond this thing where we are now. But we can't ignore the fact that from its inception, Judaism, and consciously, avoided the subject of what might come after, we take our last breath. And this tradition of ignoring 
or being suspicious. Yes, hopeful, but suspicious of what comes next has never been completely tossed aside from our tradition. The great rabbi, Rabbi Hillel, once told his students not to observe their faith in order to get a reward in the next life. Observe it, he said, because it is true. In other words, you should be faithful and good, not because of of some divine accounting ledger that you'll be carried away in angel wings and harps, but you should do good because you want to be good. But despite all this, the idea of eternity eventually made its way deeply into Judaism. And when it came time to find a name for hell, those ancient rabbis looked no further than outside their own windows. If you have ever been to Israel, and I hope you have, then it's probably safe to say that you've been to Jerusalem. And if you've been to Jerusalem, then you've been to the old city. And if you've been to the old city, then you've certainly been to the Western Wall and the Temple Mount. And just opposite there is Harazitim, the Mount of Olives. And in between the walls of the old city and the Mount of Olives is a valley. And that valley is called Hinnom. In this dry and arid valley are old tombs and burial crypts, some containing the remains of known people, some containing the remains of people we think would like are buried there. But what archaeologists have known for a long time is that Canaanite tribes dating back to the Bronze Age lived in that valley. And it is said that those Canaanites sacrificed children in that valley. And we know that it's true. Because archaeologists have discovered the little bones of small children alongside crude Canaanite altars. We know it's also true because the other name for that valley is Tophet, which is derived from the Hebrew word Toph, which means a drum. Legend has it that the Canaanite priests would bang on drums to drown out the cries of children who were being sacrificed. The ancient path that runs directly to this valley is still to this very day. It's the name of a road. It's called by its ancient name, Emek Rafaim, which means the path of the ghosts. So when our ancestors, those ancient Israelites, when they were searching for a name for hell, they turned their minds to the valley of Hinnom, because the name Hinnom is the root of the Jewish word for hell, the word Gehenna. And that's our question for this morning. Why of all the places in the world, of all the things to choose from, did they choose that place to be the name for hell in Jewish thought? Why the Valley of Hinnom? Hopefully I'll have your attention. And the answer will come. But first we have some prayer and music. And then the answer, I promise. Everyone, please rise on page 368. Well, I left you with a question, and I promised that I was going to answer it, so here it goes. The question was, why of all the things, of all the places, that when it came time to choose a name for hell, that that our ancient ancestors, yours, looked at the Valley of Hinnom where they sacrificed those innocent children, and that was the name that they chose for Gehenna, which is the Hebrew word for hell. To answer the story, to answer the question, I have a story for you. Since I'm a rabbi, it'll involve rabbis. 
story goes is that there was a very famous yeshiva, rabbinical seminary in Europe that had been open for hundreds of years. And what happens with places sometimes, sometimes Jewish places, is that they become filled with sniping and anger and rancor. And the head of the yeshiva, the Rosh Yeshiva, said, after many efforts, that he couldn't bring peace to the place any longer. And he had it in his mind that he was going to close it. But before he decided to, he had heard that there was a great holy rabbi who was going to be passing through the town in a few days. And he said to himself that I should talk to him before I close this institution down after many hundreds of years of study and scholarship. He meets with this holy rabbi and he tells him the problem, that this yeshiva is filled with argument and rancor and anger. And he asks him, is there anything that he could do to avoid shutting it down? And the rabbi says to him, there is in fact one thing, but you have to promise me, you'll tell nobody. And the rabbi agrees. And he says this to him, in this yeshiva lives the Messiah. And the rabbi turns to him and says, who is it? He says, I can't tell you, but he lives in your yeshiva. And you must promise me not to tell anybody. And the rabbi left out of the town. Within two days, everybody knew. But nobody knew who it was. Maybe it's the guy I'm sitting next to. Maybe it's the person across the way from me. And they all learned to treat each other with respect and love. And the yeshiva remained open. So why of all the things and places... Did our ancestors look at a place where they killed innocent children? Because in their mind, there could be no place that could be more like hell than a place where people were treated unfairly and their lives were put to an end. Which says that in the eyes of Judaism, that if you're looking to find either heaven or hell, you are better suited looking on this earth than anywhere else and I know this is true because I stood at Maidanic and saw a seven-ton pile of human ashes and there is no one who can tell me that that is not hell. And when Jonas Salk, the inventor of the polio vaccine, the son of Russian Jewish immigrants, when he was asked who had the patent on the vaccine, you know what he said? How can you patent something, make money off of something, that saves human lives. Is that not heaven? And it's not that Judaism doesn't believe in eternity. It does. It just believes that your life is better suited working to, to transform the world that we live in now. Or as the great theologian Heschel once said, your task is not to bring the earth to heaven. Our task is to bring the heaven down to earth. Shabbat Shalom.